Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, it went right over my head, right? Yeah. No, book three and book four are pretty intense just in the languaging of it, but they're kind of fun because they are really in relation to all of those Marvel books. But Vibhuti Pada is all about the um, extraordinary powers or your supernormal powers. And then the uh, Kav Kav Kavaila Pada is all about moksha or liberation. So what I thought when you go to your cheat sheet, it talks about how you want to delete and reset your mind so that you are the best version of yourself. Vibhuti means sacred ash. And it's what remains after the fire of transformation have burned. The chapter opens with a description of the three internal practices and ends with the catalog of the miraculous results you get when you use these three practices together. So the supernatural powers of meditation and that, that internal kind of diving deeper into yourself come with diligent practice. And it's called siddhas. So it means superpowers, right? Super. And uh, the three of them together are dharana, dhyana, and samadhi. So dharana uh, is done often where you can practice candle gazing. And that helps you really focus your breath. And it helps you to focus your mind on one thing. When people meditate, they often have a hard time uh, staying completely present. And they get lost in a thought. And then they have to come back. Or they might need to do a mantra. But candle gazing is a really amazing practice. And I don't believe we have any candles here so um, that you light. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lighter up there too. Okay, but each we can do that. But each one of us need a candle. Oh. Uh-huh. Yeah. So uh, the candle is placed about four feet out in front of you. You've got your positioning. You are really just focusing on your breath. And all you're watching is that flicker of the candle. And there's a saying, like the moth to the flame, you're really attracted to that movement and it keeps you from thinking because you're watching. A lot of times people start seeing things or get deep, pretty in tune because all of a sudden you are almost transcending all space and time, like that Bindu concept, you know, A-U-M-A and then this space. You're heightening your awareness and you're getting into that space of the sixth sense. So that's kind of cool. Um, That practice then leads into a continuous flow of attentive awareness. So it's like when you get a stream of oil that kind of pours out of a beautiful vessel. It's just really, really fluid, but it keeps going. That's really um, hard to do because as those of you who've been practicing meditation, all of a sudden you're like, you can get distracted by a sound. You can get distracted by your tummy growling, which is what's happening to my tummy over here right now. You can get distracted by so many different things. And so our ultimate goal is to keep this continuous flow so that you can really, really be present to uh, um, what we often call in yoga land, it's kind of like the movie Matrix where it's Indra's web. There's a greater matrix, there's a greater thing out there and we can tap into it and become a channel or a conduit.
And so when we start meditating and dive deeper inward, you're actually um, diving deeper outward to uh, that sixth sense and that higher state of consciousness, which isn't just often maybe you, but it could be you tapping into that higher power that can help you accomplish insurmountable tax, tasks. Uh, and then Yoga Sutra 3.3, that third part of the internal practices that help you to open up to your, um, your siddhas, your superpowers, is samadhi, where the subject and the object become one and you really are just so in the zone and present in this space. So sayama, these three things together, um, the key to the yoga superpowers, are simultaneous practice, right? And the magic key that unlocks the siddhas is to do them together, where you're candle gazing, but it's just this continuous flow of breath, and you're so present and engaged that you transcend all space and time. And everything is just like all one. In turn, when you dive deep enough into it, it will start to reveal its secrets um, with that sixth sense ability, that sixth sense and that heightened awareness ability that you get. When you're practicing, it says here, the present moment is all you need to know, the past and the future. And some of the siddhas that are discussed in this chapter are knowledge of future and previous births, ability to read minds, invisibility, great strength, super senses, levitation, ability to walk through walls, to get very small or get very heavy or get very light. So even though this sounds like a Marvel comic, you know, um, this kind of superpower came up in a lot of different religious backgrounds and storytelling, like a golem in... Uh, in uh, the Bible and um, all kinds of other kind of like, I mean, not boogeyman, you know, but like the idea of getting your superpowers and really um, doing extraordinary things is possible when you really practice, practice, practice due diligently. That's when your secrets are revealed. The other thing to think about, and I always think about this, is there's a warning, and it says right here, Patanjali makes it clear that while the superpowers may seem nifty, they are major obstacles to attaining samadhi, and that's 3.38. The best course of action is to be unattached to the siddhas and not let your ego uh, take a hold, because that's when your power can turn to darkness. Um... Peter Parker's uncle said to him, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. Mm -hmm. That's really a big deal because a lot of times, and even in the, um, you know, whether it's a work environment or home environment or a school environment or, you know, any kind of experience that you have, there can be people who use their charisma or their um, intuition in a negative way. Mm 
And so what uh, that you get warned of is as you opened up to these heightened states of awareness, please don't use your power for evil. I mean, the cool thing is that as you open up to these heightened states of awareness and you find this middle path and this balance in your life, you can pay attention better, you're more focused, um, you're, that was my tummy, you're more proactive than reactive, which is really huge. Um, uh, you uh, are able to um, really be present for your experiences and you're able to live a better, healthier life, just like all that stuff that the Cleveland Clinic I read to you last night, all those tests that they've said that meditation, mindfulness practices and yoga and breath work have offered people to their nervous system. This is being told to us, you know, thousands of years ago in these texts. So all of these sayamas come from that inner work of mindfulness and meditation. So I always tell people, if you don't have a meditation practice, that's truly the magic ticket, you know? I mean, you can practice and do vinyasa and practice your asanas till your face turns blue, and you can be the best person in your handstand, and you can have the best yoga arms and the best, you know, booty, but you can be a total dickhead, you know? Or a total a-hole or whatever you want to call a girl that's really mean that I won't say out loud but it can happen and so you really have to watch yourself and you have to practice and do all eight limbs and not just the ones that are more physical book four talks a lot about the idea of freedom and liberation um, the chapter addresses the subject of kaivalya, the highest form of samadhi or perfect emancipation. But what was interesting in this context is that Patanjali also says that there are ways that you can get superpowers. Now ayahuasca is really huge. You know, people go do ayahuasca. Um, I don't know what that is. Uh, it's like it's like a ceremony, and it's uh, I've never done it, but it's it's kind of like pot, or it's not LSD, but it like it you go on a trip and a journey, and it's supposed to open up your nervous system to greater things. Some people can probably have really bad trips and mess up their whole lives, so I'm not telling anybody to do it. You know, it makes and, me think of Indians. Like Native Americans yeah. sitting around a fire smoking pot. Right. Yeah. 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 The pipe. It sounds like the that. peace pipe. Yeah. Yes. Like no. Peyote. Is that yeah, it's kind of like peyote. Yeah. Well, no. Lots of people are going on these mind expansive journeys, and I do know that there are using psychedelics now for people who are having like um, a lot of um, uh, psychotic breaks or uh, certain disorders. Um, or uh, bipolar issues. You know, a lot of people I know who are really stressed out or who are um, have specific challenges self-medicate. 
And we know a lot of people who self-medicate in our culture with all kinds of different things. But what it is saying in the chapter four is that um, you can get your superpowers from herbs, from you know working really hard at it, from mantra practice. Um, you can get these uh, superpowers just maybe because you uh, it's karma, like it's something that came from your other life. But most people like the drugs. They think it's a faster thing. I do know some people who, uh, it's, it's like, uh, they get a, something called a Shakti pot, a Shakti pot. And like someone will touch, some famous guru will touch their head and all of a sudden they're like, Ooh, I'm changed. Right. They get like it from someone touching them or from like an encounter in their life or like one thing that just flips a switch. There's lots of gurus where you like kiss their feet or you like go and see them talk and you know, I don't know. It's whatever floats your boat. I think that you have to do the work and all is coming, but practice, practice, practice. So the idea of um, gunas was talked a lot about in this final chapter too. And that is on page 10, where in the Appendix B, talking about the gunas, from the Vedic perspective, all of material nature, prakriti, is thought to be made up of three primary qualities or gunas. And these gunas make up the essential aspects of all nature, energy, matter, and consciousness. It's a very Ayurvedic philosophy and principle. And so these qualities of nature, like sattva, is very harmonious, balanced, and light. It is like a higher spiritual place. Rajas is the power of energy or action. So there's a lot of change or movement. And that's a, maybe a little bit too high energy. And then there's the tamas, where it's the power of darkness, inertia. It's kind of like that lower forms. So you'd go tamas, sattva, and rajastic. And foods can be described that way too. You know, like salty or sweet and they have profound effects on you. But the idea is, is that nature is thought to be of these different qualities. And so they say that your consciousness or your energy can also be that way. And just like everything else we've been talking about, it has to be balanced. You're not always going to be totally harmonious and sattvic. You're not always going to be really rajastic and like, right? And you're not always going to be really tamasic and like, very blue and lethargic, like that. You're gonna kind of find that middle ground, yeah. So this doctrine that we just studied allows you to um, complement any belief system and their guidelines to get rid of pain and suffering, to find health and balance, and to find harmony in your experiences. And even though it was written so long ago, I think it's really neat how these timeless principles are being taught right now, just in different manifestations or different 
languages. It's like, okay, it's not Patanjali doing it. It's like a self-help person or it's like an Oprah kind of a person or it's a, you know, uh, someone who, like a Brene Brown who was a, a professor and a researcher and then she did a TED Talk and then became famous for talking about vulnerability. But they're all talking a lot about the same things that were brought up in the sutras of Patanjali years and years and years ago. I find that to be really um, amazing how um, insightful this group of individuals were. So if we went around in a circle, and not everybody has to speak if they don't want to, but if some people want to just kind of say like, um, you know, what, what is something that kind of sums up what you gathered from what this is? Does it pertain to your life? Does it, um, is it something that like uh, you found something really profound that affected you from going through all of this? Is there like a word that, you know, really stood out to you? I do. Yeah? Highlighting right here. Oh, I like it. Oh, great. Uh, I don't know. So, this is the pieces that I'm pulling in. Okay. Uh, yoga is a lifestyle. Mm. Uh, begin again every day mm. and take it in, but not take it on. Oh, I like that. Don't take other people's shit. I think you've said it. You, you must have said it. I wrote it down. Take it in, but don't take it on. Sorry, I did. Don't take other people's shit. I, yeah, that's great. So it was insightful in the in the sense of like um, the whole concept of boundaries that we were talking about. Mm -hmm. That's cool. That can be your mantra. Don't take it in, but yeah, take it in, but don't take it on. You had said it. Sometimes I'm smart. Most of the time, I'm just really goofy. <laughs> Anybody else have an aha moment? Those are great things for sure. I'm struck by Yoga Sutra 1.23, Total Surrender and Devotion to the Divine Self. Mm -hmm. um, so a practice of then Buddhism, meditation, go out to a monastery that's near here. Um, but one of the instructions is, hey, you have Buddha nature, you have Buddha nature, you have Buddha nature, mm -hmm. we all have Buddha nature, dogs have Buddha nature, mm -hmm. daisies have, anyway, and so, um, but it's very difficult to just surrender to that and to just trust, yeah, it's there. Um, so I thought it was really interesting that it, it shows up in the, in the soup sutras as well. I mean, mm -hmm. they're very related mm -hmm. and Buddhism, but, uh, but on those rare occasions when I can actually do that and mm -hmm. remember that, yeah, I've got Buddha nature, I can surrender to that kernel in myself. Yeah, mm -hmm. it, things flow better. Things mm -hmm. flow easier. Mm -hmm. They don't always turn out the way I want them, but 
But is the want it's your ego? Experience. Yeah. The want is the ego. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But acknowledging that you're a badass mofo. Yeah. That's, that's like right. Right really hard. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it totally is. Awesome. It is. It is. You know, I think that, that that sounds egoistic. Right? You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, it's super, super hard because it's not ego, but if you don't think that you're um, divine, no one else is going to think you're divine. Bountiful, beautiful, and blissful. You have this divine essence, and so often we persecute ourselves and push ourselves down into a little hole because of maybe fear, I don't know, or the way that we have kind of been programmed, right? It's very interesting. Because if you are a reflection of everybody else, everybody's just as divine as you are. Yeah, absolutely. That's great insight. I don't know if I have anything profound. I'm glad I started meditating recently. I've only been doing it for a few months, but this... I like the section Karen just talked about. Mm -hmm. And I like... Um, I wrote down practice anything that puts you in the zone and it has to be habitual and I feel like this year I've been trying to do make more things like focusing on my breathing and meditating habitual so I just I feel like I want to keep learning more about all of this it was really interesting that's great yeah I think along with not like thinking if we think something positive of ourselves that it's coming from a place of ego and then we feel like, oh, that's like, we shouldn't be thinking that. Another thing is that we don't really take as much time in self-care that we have and that, you know, that we should. Like, and so now self-care is becoming really huge along with ritual. And, but um, what's interesting is that I used to always feel guilty when I like had a self-care day. Mm -hmm. Right, I always felt like, oh, I can't enjoy this because I should be doing X, Y, and Z. I should be taking care of. I should be helping. This is, you know, this is selfish. And um, I think that this is saying you're not going to be your best self if you don't give yourself the opportunity to have a routine, to meditate, to really set the stage for your day through a simple practice. Yeah. It's just a framework. And you can take this uh, with a grain of salt, right? Or you can take it as like, wow, I'm really going to start like doing some of this stuff a little bit deeper or really practicing like for my year or for my karma project, I'm going to practice ahimsa, you know? And ahimsa, if, if eating like meat is something that you like to do, then ahimsa, if you're eating meat and, and, and that you need to sustain your blood type and that you need to sustain and you know that vegetarianism isn't like something that's like uh, good for your physique, then ahimsa means maybe knowing where you're getting the meat from or, you know, supporting a specific farmer or, I mean, you have to also live in our time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes 
So there's all kinds of interesting things that will arise after you um, kind of step back and give yourself time to let this sift out from our time together today. What is the one um, thing that um, is a key concept that um, talks about the balance of strengths and weaknesses? Do you remember what that Sanskrit saying is? Very good. Awesome. And when the first sutra starts off, it says, Atta, now is the time. But then the second Yoga Sutra 1.2 is talking about our mind, right? So can we say that sutra together? Yoga, Shitta, Riti, Nirodaha. Yoga, Chitta, Riti, Nirodaha. Yoga is the calming of the fluctuations of the mind. Mm 